0: you know every time she said something she was shrill she was yelling she was you know all these things things like shrill things like hysterical things you know that like hysterical has a root in you know the the word from greek that means uterus so
1: Next, we have Abby Bayunimi, an incredible, incredible woman. You won't want to miss this interview.
2: Give us a little bit of background about what you do.
0: Oh, okay. So um, I'm kind of in a weird space right now. I just left a corporate position where I was on an enterprise UX team, and now um, had kind of a toxic and not kind of I had a toxic environment there so I just quit before I had anything lined up and um, I ended up on a remote web team working with a professor of sociology at Princeton who got a MacArthur Genius Grant to develop a web tool to visualize all his data so I am the UX consultant on the remote web team. What was really odd was that the majority of the um, toxic behavior came from another woman on my team Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like you know you hear a lot about in tech environments men harassing women Um, but this was really really bad behavior from another woman on my team and I think it kind of stemmed from the fact that she was intimidated Um, but uh, so there was that plus the organization as a whole the UX team was really young and so they didn't really know how to distribute projects evenly so I had a lot of bench time and I was really bored and the commute was just really embarrassed and I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it anymore the combination of the toxic coworkers, plus not having enough work to do and an over one hour drive each way
2: yeah oh my gosh yeah that sounds like a lot <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because I just noticed this week um In the Tech Ladies Facebook group, there was a thread about. I think it was you know the article posted was about the Google Memo, Um, Mm -hmm. but I was reading the comments and and a couple people were noting you know it's not just men but sometimes it can it can be women in Mm -hmm. in tech and startup environments who aren't allies to one another or you know who feel threatened or there's some you know there's some kind of I don't know toxic as you're saying behavior going on and since you are a linguist and Mm -hmm. Former professor, I have to ask, mm-hmm. how have you been thinking and talking about Trump's authoritarian rhetoric?
0: Um, well, there have been a, quite a few linguists that took uh, their analytic skills at Trump's discourse. Um, I'm not, I'm not one to do that. I'm not, I don't specialize in political discourse, but um, you know, talking about the, his style of speaking and, and things like that, basically. It's, you know, I don't, I try not to think about it, honestly, because I'm so focused on trying to resist everything that he wants to do that I don't try to spend a lot of brain power thinking about him in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was kind of funny because we we're having a, um, my team, my current team, we do our meetings, our weekly meetings on uh, Google Hangouts. And one of my teammates just got back from Europe and um, one of our teammates is Canadian. And so, you know, there was, the creative director made some kind of joke about our teammate, you know, welcome back to Trump land or whatever. And the Americans all kind of laughed a little bit. And the mm-hmm. Canadian was like, I'm sensing a lot of nervous laughter here. Uh, you all <laughs> okay? And I was just, we are all kind of like, yeah, uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. I <laughs> know.
2: Yeah, we will be okay in about three and
0: a half years. Actually, <laughs> I focus more on the hate speech directed towards Hillary and um you know the way Ooh. she talks about that that's the, the kind of thing that I resonate more with because I give workshops on language and gender in the workplace and so I talk about the ways that women are disparaged in the workplace um so that's a little bit more interesting to me and something that I would rather spend my brain power on than than you know trying to analyze this gibberish that means nothing except to rile up people rile up their fears and rile up their hate and you know, things like that. So I I was paying actually I pay more attention to to the way people talk about and to Hillary.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean I'm sure we I'm sure you saw that during the election cycle too. You
0: know Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, every time she said something she was shrill. She was yelling. She was, you know, all these things. And that's one of the things that I actually talk about in my workshops is that we have words that we never use for men, for Mm -hmm. for quote unquote masculine men we might use them for effeminate men or um, people on the gender spectrum that are more uh, towards the feminine axis. Um, things like shrill, things like hysterical, things, you know, that like hysterical has a root in, you know, the the word from Greek that means uterus. So right. there's yeah. really no uh, historical reason why that would be applied to a man. And it somehow has evolved into this like you know, they used to think that, you know, some of your emotions lived in the uterus. And so the uterus is what caused women to be emotional. And, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah.
2: Frustrating. And that's, it's definitely another theme you see too, and something I've experienced in, in tech or just in the working world in general, it's like this fine line between, You're being too aggressive or Mm -hmm. you're not speaking up enough for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to, it's like such a delicate balance, I find. Oh, yeah.
0: And then the other way that we talk about women too is we frame them as caregivers and we often don't even know we're doing it. So if you're asked to give a letter, write a letter of recommendation for, you know, if you're a teacher, for a student, for a coworker who wants another job or you know, something like that, or write a letter of support for their, their file, you know, for promotion, something like that. We tend to say, yeah, they're really nice. They're really collaborative. We're really, you know, helpful and framing women in these, with these words, these adjectives that tend to um, evoke a sense of caring instead of a sense of, you know, intelligence or determination or achievement. And there's um, some research done on student evaluations of teaching and Pretty much, the word genius never ever appears in female professors' evaluations, but it does in male professors' evaluations. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you can imagine, like, uh, in when I was in grad school, friends of mine we would talk about our evaluations, and so one of my friends is teaching a Latin American um, history and culture course, and so you they you talk about the socialist movements there, right? Because. That's that's the reality. That's the history of some of the countries in Latin America. And one of her male students wrote that she was a pinko commie bitch on her evaluation. Wow. We're in the office, kind of like I. We couldn't do anything but laugh at it because it's like it's so ridiculous. She's teaching history, and this guy was so offended by that that he had to make that. Comment as if that was, you know, it was her fault that socialism was a thing.
2: God. Okay, so we'll just move on from there. Yeah, that's just infuriating to hear. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that kind of leads into the next question a bit. Um, how would you describe the gender disparity you've seen in tech during your career, student and professional, and mm-hmm. academia, just as male dominated of an environment, would you say?
0: Yes. Okay. 100%. So I'll start off by talking a little bit about academia and how the, um, the jobs in academia are kind of structured um, for those who don't know. So there are, I guess, three, kind, three main kinds of jobs in academia. There's a tenure track job, which is full time and offers benefits. And after a certain number of years, depends on your institution, you apply for promotion and tenure. And then basically, tenure means that you um, have a job for life. And the other kind of job is a full-time, non-tenure-track job, which can have one to five-year contracts. You don't ever get to go up for tenure. You can be fired at any time. You're much more casualized labor, but you're still full-time and you still get benefits. Mm-hmm. And the pay, but the pay is also a lot less. Okay. And there's less support for your research and things like that. And then the third kind is the really casualized, what's called adjunct labor, um, and that usually pays crap, like utter crap. There is a university, a couple of college slash universities near me that pay $1,200 a course wow, or less. And that's for four months. That's all you get. If you're full-time, <laughs> you can make up to $10,000 a course when, you're, when your salary is broken down into the number of classes you're teaching. That's so yeah. I'll have you take a guess what sorts of people are predominant in that last kind of teaching job.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Women yeah. and people of color yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, And so, yeah, the most vulnerable people are usually the ones that are most marginalized in academic communities. And so it's, um, yeah, it tends to be kind of reflective of tech in that way.
2: And overall, is it, are there more male professors, would you say, or, you know, more men who are reaching those senior levels of um, academia than women?
0: Yeah, and traditionally it has been an old white males uh, club. Um, I think that the demographic is changing a little bit just because of the number of women who are going to graduate school is outnumbering the number of men in a lot of cases, especially in my field of linguistics and in particular Spanish linguistics, but it really depends on the field. In computer science, um, I'm pretty sure that it's still male dominated.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. For example,
0: philosophy is really male-dominated, and that's where some of the worst sexual harassment actually comes out is in philosophy, mm-hmm. ironically, I guess, um, since they're so concerned with ethics. Um, but yeah, there are certain fields that are way more male-dominated than others, and it tends to be the quote-unquote caring or soft fields that tend to be more equal or more female-dominant, like English or social work or teaching, things like that.
2: Yeah. Um, Do you have any thoughts on how that gender disparity we were just talking about, how that might impact women of color more or differently?
0: So I think a lot of it has to do with, and I'm not a woman of color, so I I don't want to speak out of turn. So these are just my impressions based on what I've observed. Mm -hmm. Women of color tend to get less mentoring. um, And so they have less access to the networks that would help them get the tenure track jobs because there are a lot fewer women of color in tenure track jobs in the first place to be the ones to do the networking with their graduate students to help introduce them to people who might be able to give them a job. And also black women in particular have to deal with the angry black woman trope. So if they're too confident in their research at conferences, things like that, I imagine that that could be, that could work against them as well.
2: Yeah, and from my limited understanding, it seems like it really is important to to get that mentor-mentee relationship. Like that really helps you.
0: Absolutely, that's part of the reason I'm not in academia anymore. Is that I had a bad relationship with my advisor, and so I basically couldn't get an academic, a full-time academic job. Ugh. I mean, she actually sabotaged job applications. Oh, that's. So. A- Gosh
2: many women working in tech have mentioned feeling like they must constantly fight a quote unquote believability factor. In other words, as women, there's an unconscious bias that they aren't knowledgeable about, Mm -hmm. for instance, engineering or, you know, having those technical skills um, necessary to be in in this industry. Have you Mm -hmm. experienced anything like that?
0: A little bit. Um, I actually sat next to um, a developer who was a a woman at my last job and we would talk about that since I think it seems to be more prevalent in developer groups, engineers. Mm -hmm. And she would tell me a lot about how she would say something and they would be like, no, that's not going to work. She would do it and it would work. And they'd be like, oh, I guess you were right. Yeah, so and she's also um, younger than I am. She's in her 20s, and she looked really young, too, and she was really pretty. So there's like that going against her as well. She would just she would come back to our desks and just rage at me about meetings (laughs) about how, you know, people weren't taking her seriously, and they were kind of doubting her, her development chops and, you know, things like that. I think that I don't experience it quite as much because um, number one, I'm a little bit older. I have a PhD, so if people want to say that I don't know something, I will lord it over them. <laughs> um, I, I'm i really loud and opinionated if you tell me that you know something I said is wrong and I know it's not, I will tell you, no, that's not wrong and here's why. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. so <laughs> I've experienced it a little bit less because I I feel more comfortable <laughs> pushing back on people who say I don't know what I'm talking about.
2: That's awesome. It's it takes a while to get to that point though, you know, like, yeah. It's nice being a little bit older. Like I'm in my 30s, you know, I feel like so much more confident pushing back and like sharing my opinion at this point, you know. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. And then academia also teaches you that skill because when you present your work at conferences, the, you know, older guys will push back and say, "Well, did you consider this and that?" and, you know, there's this hole in your research and it's like, "Listen, Bucko." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh Um, well, are there, I was also wondering, are there places that you found support when you or other women, you know, have felt discriminated against at work? It sounds like you and your coworkers, you know, have kind of supported one another, but, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, other than that, have have there been other places?
0: Yeah. So we had a women in tech group at my last job, which was really nice. Um, the tech ladies Facebook group has been great to at least, if I don't participate a lot to at least read that it's not just me that it's happening to. Um, if I, you know, find a story that's like, Oh yeah, that happened to me too. Okay. So that sucks that it's more widespread than I thought, but at least I'm not alone. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, And then just, you know, there are meetup groups around in, in my area that I go to and people that I know from there that I can be like, Hey, did you ever experience blah, 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 Mm -hmm. things like that. So, Yeah. And in Twitter too, I guess I have pretty good network on Twitter. So if I complain about something, there's usually at least one person who's like, oh my God, that happened to me too.
2: Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's, that's important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tech Ladies has been a great, um, group just to exactly like what you're saying, like just to read stories and, and get support. And I mean, it's like what, 15,000 women now. That's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. You
2: know? Um, yeah. What do you think about? I'm sure you've read and seen some of the media attention about the culture of sexual harassment in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say, you know, do you agree? I know that's not exactly your focus area for, you know, your career, but do you mm-hmm. think that there's a culture of harassment, or just based on your experience, do you have any comments or stories you'd like to share about this concept? Um, anything you've witnessed or experienced in the workplace, either your current workplace or previous? Mm-hmm.
0: I've been lucky enough to have not experienced any sexual harassment. Um, I know it's a problem. No one has ever confided in me that they've experienced that. And it could be just because they didn't feel comfortable. Um, or it could be that, you know, the people that I know are really lucky. Um, but yeah, I I do think it's a problem. Um, I don't have any solutions for it because it's part of the problem is that we don't have enough women in positions of power.
2: And it's like, how do we get them there? You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And until, I think until, you know, it stops being a good old boys club, it's going to keep happening because they don't see repercussions. Yeah. And I think Ellen Powell's uh, lawsuit was a really good step in the right direction to try to, show that these people that are doing that that hey you can't you don't just have carte blanche to treat women that way mm-hmm. or men. I mean I'm sure there are men that experience sexual harassment as well. I definitely just...
2: remember like sorry not to interrupt but I remember mm-hmm. and don't you remember when she introduced that lawsuit how much backlash there was, you know, because this was kind of before yeah. more and more stories started coming out over the past like year, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but it's so great that she did that because I feel like that was kind of one of the first steps and then and then Susan Fowler's mm-hmm. um, blog, you know, about Uber. yeah. Yeah.
0: It's really risky. I really admire both of them for doing that and anybody who's come forward for doing that because it is super risky because it it still is a good old boys club and there isn't a lot of repercussions um for the man and at any at any rate I mean the women get blacklisted, they get mm-hmm treated poorly, not hired. And, you know, I think that it's incredibly brave of them to step forward, but it's also incredibly necessary because we need more women to step forward and men who experience sexual harassment to step forward and, and tell their stories so that it doesn't get swept under the rug and these people don't get ostracized for, for speaking their truth
2: you know, if you had any thoughts that, or, you know, advice maybe that you would give to somebody um, younger who is just entering academia or entering an an industry that's male dominated Mm -hmm. um, that you've learned over the years, Um, you know, any general thoughts or advice?
0: Seek out female mentors if you can, you know, it's kind of hard if you're in a startup with all male colleagues, but maybe you can find a mentor outside. Um, of your organization, find a sponsor within your organization. Somebody who will look out for you, um, stand up for you, figure out ways to take control of your own agency. So, if people are taking your ideas in meetings, you know, try to figure out a way to to take your agency back. And you know, one thing that I teach women—it's really tricky too because not everybody has the kind of confidence that is needed to um, kind of undercut sexism when they encounter it at work but when, one thing you can do is you know the situation I hear a lot when I give this workshop is like oh I said some x idea and then they all you know everybody in the meeting said it was stupid or just ignored me or whatever and then some other guy in the meeting brought up the same thing and they thought it was a great idea Yes. I've had that happen. Yep. Talk to people and, you know, take somebody that you trust aside and say, Hey, did you hear that? I said that first. If they say yes, then say, Hey, next time that happens, will you please, you know, speak up for me? Mm -hmm. Um, say, Hey, you know, Diana said that first or, you know, when, yeah, that was a great idea when Diana brought that up,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, something like that, you know, help me speak up for me or do it yourself. Say, you know what? I, I said that like 10 minutes ago yeah, it is a great idea,
2: <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. there, but, but you have to read the room and know that your, your audience to know whether or not you can do that and in what ways you can do that. So it's, yeah.
2: And it, it seems like a small thing, but that really, it really does make a difference. I think it
0: does. Yeah, for sure. If you have one other person in the room saying, Hey, let's back up, you know, Abby said that first. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Just standing up for one another and, mm-hmm. you know, just providing that support.
0: Yeah, and then being open about it. You know, if there's one other woman on your team, talk to her. Say, hey, when we're in meetings together, do you ever feel uncomfortable? Is something I can do to, you know, help you out? Like, you know, is is there a way I can support you in the meeting? Yeah, and then you know, say, hey, you know what? Now that we've talked about that, if I if this happens to me in a meeting, I'd really love it if you could do blah blah blah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, I think that's great. That's definitely something people could do more of. And I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that like it happens so frequently that you almost don't even really Mm -hmm. think about it. But, um, yeah, that's important. Um, so let's see, before we wrap up, we always give all of our interviewees a chance to share something they're working on. Um, a resource that could be Mm -hmm. an organization, a website, social media page, that you think is worthy of sharing or any other final words for our lady listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to share, feel free to do so right now.
0: (laughs) Um, um, I will say that if anybody's interested in data visualization of eviction data and poverty rates and things like that in the United States, um, the eviction lab is going to put their website live at the end of January. So keep an eye out for that. That's the tool that I'm working on right now, so um, it'll be a good tool for anybody who's looking to visualize eviction rates for a school project, for policymaking, or civic activism, or research if you're in academia. Um, it's a really awesome tool. It's a really great team. It's, I think it's really important work, so if you're interested, check it out. Is
2: that a, um, that's really interesting because Mm -hmm. I I know that there's something similar here, you know, eviction and and people being kind of pushed out of different neighborhoods is a big Mm -hmm. problem here, Um, Mm -hmm. gentrification and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. it's called the Anti-Eviction Mapping Project. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've heard of it.
0: Yeah, and um, the principal investigator, um, Professor Matt Desmond is doing some really great ethnographic research across the country to try to map out this data. So it'll be cool. Yeah, that's amazing. How long have yeah. you
2: been working on that um, tool, the Eviction Lab?
0: They have been working on it for uh, three, four months now. I was brought on in August um, because they want to make sure that the tool is accessible for everybody, people with disabilities, um, literacy levels, all levels of literacy, etc. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm leading up all the UX efforts and the content strategy. So.
2: Oh, that's amazing! Well, yeah, yeah. I will definitely check that out. Thank you so much again for having a conversation with us on the Chug and Chat podcast. We hope you know this conversation that we've been having with you and with with other women in tech makes women feel less alone in our fight for gender equality in the workplace. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. thank you so much for for speaking out for other women and um, sharing your experiences with us.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: Next up, Vivian Chan. Yes. So, so how long have you been career? Uh, an engineer in at Nerd uh, Wallet. So as part of my undergrad,
3: I actually did a full, uh, six internships, and that sums up to around two years of experience when I graduated. Nice. And part of that, um, I did a lot of uh, tech, uh, tech positioned uh, roles. So I started off very finance like. Um, I worked at an accounting firm in a finance in a tech role where i did automation for the tax returns and then i went to really like into like technical roles which working with data scientists and into the back end of everything just learning the systems and so i actually got a full range and then in that full mix of range actually i did two internships where uh, where it was in the united states so one in one in Palo Alto, and then also one in uh, San Francisco for a startup. Um, and then I guess that's like two years of internship rule, And then now I'm here at NerdWallet for full time. And uh, it's been, thinking back, it's been a long time, but I think time really flies by when you're working really hard. Uh, so, that's, so that's, here I am. here you are totally i think in
1: total roughly three years i've been in the industry i guess that's great that's Um, great and so and you've been at nerd wallet you said for a little over a year is that what you said you know just i guess in your experience both in um you know your schooling leading up to your career in tech and your experience in your career thus far have you witnessed a lot of instances of gender disparity like among the engineer community um, or have you felt, you know, like you've been pretty lucky in your experiences? What, what's your thought on that?
3: Mm, I think at like my current stage of career, the disparity doesn't really have an impact in my career where I'm still at that stage where I'm just like hungry for opportunities. I'm like constantly looking for opportunities, looking to learn, making new mistakes, trying something new. It's just, I'm, I, I'm, yeah. at this, I'm just at this stage right now. And um, I believe the, like the mentorship that I received at my current position and in my previous positions were like the biggest impact to helping me grow, but I don't, but it wasn't like, um, so there is like a gender imbalance and that this industry is male dominated, but that, with that being there, that didn't really had a negative impact on how I grew. I think if I were to think like, you know, 10 years from now where I'm like probably, you know, trying to reach into a higher position than having a female uh, leadership who are are like holding in higher positions, who I know can achieve that high, um, would be great role models for me. But it's just at this current stage in my career, it's interesting to see that um, even though like the media and everything is talking about negative, there's like negative stuff about it. I have not like I, to be honest. I have not seen that impact like my career negatively, and so I'm pretty ha- lucky. I would say I am pretty lucky to have not to not have experienced that.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. I hope it continues along that path. Um, how big? Ba- how big is Nerd Wallet? <laughs> Remind it's, me. Uh,
3: it's roughly around 400 employees in total okay. as a company. Um, but the engineering team, I think it's roughly 100. Okay, uh, a
1: pretty good size. And are there a yeah. lot of women engineers there?
3: Uh, okay, I actually have the, the actual numbers today because we're doing, we're doing a presentation on the learnings that, uh, or we're trying to bring learnings back from, or present the learnings we gotten from, Grace hopper conference yes that's on my list to ask you about okay Okay. perfect well
1: you you created the segue for me that's okay awesome tell Um, me the numbers (laughs)
3: let's see okay here you go um we have around 120 123 engineers in engineering and 22 of them are female Woo! yeah so we have a pretty pretty big number um, but I actually saw this number grow um, throughout this year. I actually started. I, when I started, it was there was including myself. I believe four four women in engineering.
1: Wow, that's a big leap. Okay. Right? Yeah. So well, it's that's actually, nice to see that it's growing at that rate, that that actually would give me a lot of hope if it's trending upwards. Cause I mean, I guess 18% is still pretty good. Um, Great, okay, so you segued into it already. <laughs> um, let's talk about Grace Hopper. Diana did share with me that that you were lucky enough to go. So please tell me about your experiences. Yes. Like. I- I was
3: very lucky to be able to go. I actually have not been to Grace Hopper before. Um, oh, I mean, maybe
1: we should back up just for our folks out there who don't know what it is. Would you mind just kind of sharing?
3: Ah, okay. So if you have not heard, Grace Hopper is actually the biggest uh, conference for women in engineering or women in tech. And so this conference is it's a massive conference. This year there was a, a what, 18,000 attendees.
1: Um, We
3: took up the entire uh, Orange County uh, Convention Center.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did. That's
3: that's amazing. And I think uh, not only did we take over the convention center, we took over like the hotel that was next to it. That's great. Wow.
1: And you were in a beautiful place as well. So that's pretty sweet. Oh yeah.
3: (laughs) That's, that's a pretty sweet thing too. We were in Orlando, Florida. Nice. Um, yeah. So like, uh, the main idea of the conference is to really celebrate and, uh, to celebrate the community and to actually bring the community together. Um, I think you don't see that very often because, you know, I think we're all in little groups and this one day, all these little groups are gathered together into one big community. And I've, before going, I've only heard about people's experience, but to be able to be there in person and to actually see and feel like to be in that atmosphere where you're looking around the room and it's like all oh, women in engineering in different fields of technology
1: and Ooh, like you just gave me goosebumps That's I know like, oh.
3: it's like it's 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 a it's a really hard um thing to describe that the feeling that you get just standing there waiting in line to for the keynote oh, um, yeah I wanted to share the link uh for, for the last point to share with the, your listeners is actually to actually go into grace hopper's website and to actually listen to a lot of the keynotes. Oh, they also, oh, great. You they can also do that. share okay. a lot of their um, uh, PowerPoint slides from a lot of their uh, workshops and sessions. Great. And so they're like really, there's some of them that were really great uh, tips on how to build your career, how to build a network, how to communicate. Um, there's also a lot of like the text uh, tech, Uh, like nerdy stuff technology stuff as well there too so it's a good mix so it's actually a pretty like if you didn't get a chance to go I think uh, the website is a great resource to actually
1: just you know watch the videos it's it's very it's very inspirational so did you go with um, employees of yours what did you go separate from nerd wallet how did you get to go Oh, um I was very lucky. Uh NerdWallet
3: actually sponsored um a group of us to actually go. Yeah, go NerdWallet. Um, okay, that's sweet. I'm wow. very, I feel very fortunate that NerdWallet took um, took that step and looked into it
1: and like got that opportunity and sponsored a group of us to go. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So was there anyone in particular, any experience that you had while you were there at the conference um, that you would want to share with your listeners or that was particularly like a pivotal inspirational moment for you?
3: I think um, one of the keynote speaker talked about um, how when when she's building like AI, like uh, machines, you want to teach them about, you know, society, like the entire, like everything about the world. And if you look at the world, the population of the world is pretty even among like, uh, pretty balanced in gender, right? But if you look at the people who are building it, um, that is, there. there's an imbalance in that, right? And so if you, if there, if that imbalance is carried, if that imbalance is what is building these robots, then these robots will have that bias when they're created.
1: And so it's... Ooh, that is scary to think about.
3: (laughs) I should should get you the quote in, in actual quotes for you. But the idea of that, that's the idea of it. And that was a great takeaway for me is because, you know, NerdWallet is building this product to help people like help everyone and anyone in their personal financial life to help them make personal finance with confidence and to everyone that means there are male there are females and it's balanced and if we look at engineering right now on our on like at NIR wallet right now is it's only 18 percent women and so there is an imbalance. And so is the product that we're gonna be creating imbalance proportionate to the world, right?
1: Yeah.
3: And so that's So that's like a big takeaway for me, uh, walking away from Grace Hopper, is to just think about, uh, you know, how that imbalance in what we're building right now and what we'll be creating. Does,
1: mm-hmm. does Grace Hopper also address, you know, like how um, you know, gender disparity or even sexual harassment in tech uh, might be different for women of color. Mm.
3: I think one of my coworkers actually went to a session that talked about it, um, but I myself, I have not. Um, so I actually don't know. Actually yeah, don't have a good answer for
1: you just wondering you know i mean it's just another thing that's been getting more and more media attention and um you know certainly we've heard from several women of color that uh you know mm. sometimes it can be more intense or at least when they're fighting kind of the unconscious bias you know the believable mm-hmm. factor that women aren't as knowledgeable about engineering like sometimes feel like they get they can get really double hit with that so mm. You know, just, just something that we've been hearing a lot as well. So curious if you knew anything about that.
2: Mm,
3: about like the fighting abel- believability factor, I think, to be honest, I have not felt this. So I, I would say I'm actually pretty lucky in this, in this area too. I think every, I think, okay, so I think we can agree that in, during an interview, it's like the perfect setting where the interviewer is trying to assess the interviewee, right? sure about their knowledge and technical skills so through my experience with um with being interviewed and on the other side um i have never felt that uh okay so i felt that i felt sometimes i felt that i should have known this but i've never felt that i should have known this because i was a woman or i never felt a bias uh or being compared to other engineers because of my gender. And so I think a lot of the times it was very focused on just the technical match. Um, right, I also think um, well, here at we Wallet, we're, we're aware, I think during interviews, we have workshops to kind of address or to be aware of unconscious bias. And I think a lot of companies are doing that during their interview process. And so I think a lot of companies are making uh, are are making steps towards, you know, solving some of the issues that I think you've been hearing about.
1: Well, that is just great to hear as well. And I just hope to talk to more and more um, women like you who have been fortunate in their experiences of not having to deal with a lot of that firsthand. I mean, Mm -hmm. the more we with those um, experiences out there too. I think that's important as well. It, it you know, women need to have some hope <laughs> in that area, I think. Um, you know, so before we wrap up, we we always give all of our interviewees as well a chance to either share something they're working on, um, a resource um, you know, for other women in tech that they feel are, is worthy of sharing, or just any final words for other women in tech out there that you would like to share? Go to Grace Hopper's website and actually
3: watch a lot of the keynotes video. I walked away after listening to them uh, feeling very motivated, very inspired. Since the setting of the Grace Hopper uh, grace hopper conference was in orlando florida it felt kind of like a vacation at some times but i was very excited to go to work the next like on monday it was just motivating me it was giving me energy to like go to work and so i want to sh- to share with the listeners is to actually share that same feeling too Aww.
1: Thank you, liz thank you for inviting me liz all right my dear well have a wonderful evening Vivian is lucky that she hasn't experienced any real discrimination yet as a woman and Abby's had some lucky moments too but unfortunately that's not the majority of the folks that we interviewed for this mini-series but hopefully today you're leaving on a relatively positive note.